Thank you for listening to this podcast from Living Hope Church in Skokie, Illinois, featuring the preaching of Pastor Daniel Mann. For more information about our church, please visit us online at www.livinghopechicago.com. We trust that today's message will encourage you in your relationship with God. Look at Ephesians 4. We're going to look at a number of verses here, but look at uh, beginning in verse 4. Ephesians 4, verse 4. It says, uh, there is one body, talking about the body of Christ, and one spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, even as you're called unto one hope of your calling. That's the gospel of our salvation. You see the common thread of oneness here. Verse 5, one Lord, that's Jesus. One faith, that's what we believe. That's the doctrines we believe. One baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So he uses the word one a number of times, but then he changes directions. Look at verse 7. He says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. He starts by saying, we have this in common, this oneness. But in verse 7, he says, but to every one of us, we have something that's unique about us. So now, skip down. He talks about Jesus being ascended up to heaven. He conquered death. He's now seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's given gifts unto men, verse 8 says. And look at verse 11. He explains what those gifts are. Verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, that's you and me, for the work of the ministry, there's our word there, the work of the service of God, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth, or from now on, be no more children or immature, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom, so from the head, that's Christ, the whole body is fitly joined together and compacted by that which, notice these words, don't just gloss over these, notice this, that which every joint Supplieth. It sounds to me like everybody has a function there. Every joint supplying something. According to the effectual working and the measure of every part, make an increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4. It's towards the end of the Bible. 1 Peter 4. First Peter chapter 4 verse 7. says this, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things have fervent charity or love, fervent love among yourselves. For charity, love covereth the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Verse 10 is key. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister serve the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles or teachings of God. If any man minister, serve, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, 
that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Now, let me back up before we talk about today. We've been going through a series uh, that we've been calling Established Essentials of an Established Church. The ones circled in red are what we've already gone over. We've talked about first that conversion is the first essential. And in order to have a church, you have to have saved people. There's no church without believers. We are the called out assembly. The church is not uh, tile and ceiling. It's not podiums and chairs. The church are people saved by Jesus Christ. And so conversion, being born again. We talked about evangelism and disciple making, that we've been called to share the gospel, but we've been called to make disciples of all nations, teaching people how Jesus says they are to follow him. Last week we talked about fellowship, and we learned that fellowship was a lot more than getting together and having a potluck. We learned that fellowship is not just playing ping pong or volleyball or going to the picnic, and all those things are fine and great. But fellowship means sharing in. We share in God's life. He's given us life. We're now in relationship with Him. And we're now in relationship with one another. So we're sharing in God's life together. We're sharing in God's mission together. But today I want to talk to you about being established in ministry. Being established in how God uniquely wants you to serve Him. And God does want you to serve Him. And what you and I need to discover is how does God want us to serve Him? What is God's plan for me? How does He want me to be a functioning member in His body? Believers in the New Testament were gifted by God to faithfully serve Jesus and one another. So here's our message today. I think I got this on the screen. An established church, what we're seeking to be, we're following God's blueprint for that strong, established church. How are we going to be a church that lasts for decades? You know, churches by the hundreds are closing their doors. By the hundreds, they're turning into coffee shops and convenience stores and daycares. Closing their doors. How is living hope not going to be an afterthought one day? Say Jesus doesn't come back for a hundred years. Are we, this church, still going to be a church? Or are we going to buckle and fold like so many? That's what we mean by being an established church. An established church has true converts. An established church has people who see that they're, they're supposed to be evangelizing, sharing the good news. They're making disciples. They're fellowshipping together, but they're also established in ministry. And an established church consists of faithful believers who are using their spiritual gifts to serve Jesus and one another for the glory of God. They're using their gifts. They're serving their God. They're serving one another and they're doing it for the glory of God. Now, if we're going to be that type of church that's established in ministry where every person sees, I've got a job to do, I've got a role to play, I've got a function in this body, there are some things that have to take place in your life and in my life. I call these essentials. There are three essentials for you to be established in ministry and for me to be established in ministry. And God help us today that he will take this word ministry and where you won't just apply it to me. I hope you walk out of this room today and say, I Blanca Novak, I Maria, I Melissa, I Austin, I Alice, I am a minister. I hope you leave today knowing that you're a minister. You may not have the office of a minister that we think of the, the, the idea of a pastor office minister, but in the idea of the word being a servant and a worker in the church, we're all ministers. 
three things that have to be true of us in order for us to be established in ministry. Let me give you those to you. Number one, you and I have to identify our spiritual gifts. And I put F, or I put S in quotation marks or parentheses because some people have more than one gift. But we have to discover, we have to identify our spiritual gift or gifts. Now, a great question for you and I to ask today is, what is a spiritual gift? We've got to answer that before we can identify if we have it, right? If we don't know what it is, we don't know if we've got it. And then secondly, we've got to find out who has one of these. Who's got this spiritual gift? We're, we're going to talk about those things and look at God's Word. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12. What is a spiritual gift? Who's got it? Who's got a spiritual gift and what is it? 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. First Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1. Paul says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. So he's saying, I don't want these believers. He's telling them, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. Look at verse 31. He tells them, same chapter, chapter 12, verse 31, but covet earnestly. That means desire. Covet is not the idea of something bad, but zealous is the idea. Literally, it means zealous. But zealously, earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Look at chapter 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. He says, follow after charity, that's love, and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Look at verse 12 of chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 12 says, even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. So Paul was telling these people, you need to be zealous for these, you need to desire these, you need to seek for these, but what are they to be seeking? You know, Paul, well, what are we supposed to be desiring? What are we supposed to be seeking? What are we supposed to be zealously going after? What's a spiritual gift? Let me give you a few definitions. Kim, Ken Hemphill says this, that a spiritual gift is an individual manifestation of grace from the Father that enables you to serve Him and thus play a vital role in His plan for the redemption of the world. So it's a special work of grace, God's grace, shown out in your life in some way that draws other people to Christ and strengthens up those who are already believers. Let me give you another definition by Peter Wagner. A spiritual gift is a special attribute given by the Holy Spirit to every member of the body of Christ according to God's grace for use within the context of the body. So here it's a special attribute, an attribute that God gives in order to be used for God's work. Let me give you a third and final definition that I'm going to give today. But Warren Wiersbe said a spiritual gift is a God-given ability. To serve God and other Christians in such a way that Christ is glorified and believers are edified. And the word edify means build up, to make stronger. That's what a spiritual gift is. So, it's clear. What's a spiritual gift? Well, it's clear from Scripture that it's not natural talent. Spiritual gifts are not natural talent. In fact, I want you to say that with me. Ready? Begin. Spiritual gifts are not natural talent. You're doing very good. Let's do it one more time. Spiritual gifts are not natural talent. I mean, feel like you're in second grade right now saying we're repeating these words. Spiritual gifts aren't natural talents. 
Some people say, oh, that person's great singing. Wow, what a spiritual gift. I'm not saying God didn't give it to them. I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, they didn't develop. I'm just saying God's blessing's not on them, but a spiritual gift is not natural talent. A spiritual gift is something that God gives, and it is supernatural. It is not natural talent. Now, God uses natural talent to the glory of His name, but spiritual gifts are supernatural abilities given by God for the purpose of serving His church. Let's look at a few other things. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verse 7. We're talking about identifying spiritual gifts. But verse 7, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all, or to profit the whole. Let me give you another one. I think I've got this on the screen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Look at the screen here. It says, But unto every one of us, is given grace according to the measure of the gift. And the gift there is spiritual gifts, the measure of the gift of Christ. Look at 1 Peter 4.10. We read this a minute ago. But as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. You say, Pastor Daniel, what are you saying? This is what the Bible is saying. These verses teach, look right here for just a second. These verses teach that every believer has a spiritual gift. Everyone unto every man has received a spiritual gift. What we know from Scripture, Romans 12, 6, among other verses, tell us that everybody has differing gifts. We don't all have the same gift. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. I want to show you a few things here from God's Word. But not everyone has the same spiritual gift. They're different. Scripture tells us that we all have different functions. In the body of Christ. From person to person, the gifts that God imparts are different. Romans chapter 12, look at verse... Romans chapter 12, look at verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given unto us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching... Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So he starts listing just a few of the spiritual gifts there. But each of them, he says, these are differing gifts. I think I've got this on the screen, but 1 Corinthians 12, 11 tells us, but all these things worketh. Notice this. All these gifts worketh that one and the selfsame spirit dividing, or the spirit is dividing or distributing to every man severally or individually as he will. What does this mean? It means that the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, is distributing to each person in the body of Christ a spiritual gift that he desires for them to have. And often those gifts are different from person to person. Now, Romans 12, 6 and 8, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, here's a list of verses This is in the Bible. If you're wondering what all the spiritual gifts that are listed in the Bible, this is the passages. I don't have time today to go through with you all of the spiritual gifts that are listed in the Bible and give you an exhaustive uh, definition of, of every gift of the Holy Spirit. But I do want to make this list available to you so that you can, because you ought to, as we were taught in Scripture, you ought to be zealous. You ought to be, I'll say more about that in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. You ought to be seeking out what is it God that you're imparting to me. Gifts such as teaching, such as administration or leadership. Gifts such as exhortation, 
gifts such as acts of mercy, gifts such as giving or hospitality and many more things. Paul was writing and explaining the spiritual gifts so that these believers wouldn't be ignorant of them. He was writing so that they would seek these spiritual gifts and he was writing so that they could discern what spiritual gifts God had given to them. Now, I want you to consider this. Consider a, a high school student who goes to a job fair. I think we've got a picture of, of this just for you to picture it. But consider high school students. They're going to a job fair, a career fair, a school. Do you guys go to these? Do you guys have to go to these? You did? Right? Boring? You don't like these? I don't like them either. But there, you know, a lot of times you have to do this. You've got to go to these career fairs. They walk you through there. And you learn about future careers to pursue. Now, now think about this. Imagine you're one of these students. You're walking around. You're pursuing and looking around, seeing what type of career opportunities are available. And they see all these booths for nursing, accounting. Normally when you go around, you see nursing, accounting, automotive, education, insurance, military, social services, on and on we could go, right? And, and normally they're exposing students to all different types of opportunities. They're saying, hey, you know, you might like this. Hey, you might be like this. And you, you've never, never heard of this before. Exposing them to different opportunities because they know each student's different, right? Then they're not all going to follow the same path. That They don't all have the same likes and desires and so... And they know that each of these careers are needed in society. Much as we hate to admit it, we need insurance. So we need insurance salesmen. You know what? We, we need doctors because we get sick. We need nurses because we get sick. I mean, we, we, we need mechanics because, friend, my car breaks down, and I know yours does too, right? We need these things. So they know they've got to have some variety there. But um, imagine that, you know, you were going to this and, all they had was just one career. Every booth was just the exact same career, just a different nursing station. Nurses and nurses and they're everywhere it is. And you'd be like, well, what if I don't want to be a nurse? <laughs> what, what, if I'm not, what if I'm not good at this? You see, it's important for people to identify their gifting when it comes to their career. But how much more important is it for believers to identify their spiritual gifts. So in other words, we put a lot of time and effort. Parents, hear me for just a second. Put a lot of time and effort to try to making sure our kids have opportunities for what career they're going to go to. How much time and effort are we putting into making sure that they understand who God made them to be? Pursuing after that. How much more important is it if I'm going to pour in time to find out what kind of career I'm going to use for my life to provide for my needs, that is important. How much more important is it that my work for God, though, and I know exactly what that is and I'm called to do. You see, time would not allow me to give a detailed explanation of every spiritual gift. But if you're interested, I could offer you a resource. A, a lot of, of, of different uh, Bible publishing groups have put together some helpful resources like a spiritual gift test. I have mixed feelings about spiritual gift tests. I think they're helpful, but, but, but they, they're by no means immutable. I mean, they're, they're by no means perfect, but they can be helpful. And depending on which one you use, more helpful than others. But it is helpful to go through. If you've never done any type of spiritual gift evaluation, you ought to do that. You ought, you ought to, and I'd love to make that resource available to you. I can email it to you. I could print it for you and bring it to you, let you go through that. Many of you have done that already at our church and even before, maybe at other places where God has called you to before. But it's key that you really ask some questions about who you are, about your, uh, about your calling to serve in ministry. Another question you can ask as you're seeking to identify your spiritual gift, what are you passionate about? What do you find yourself thinking about a lot? What do you just get excited about when you hear, oh man, we're going to have an evangelistic uh, time. We're going we're to go out outreach and you just get excited. I love 
outreach. I love trying to get the gospel to people. Or maybe you're here, we're having a prayer meeting, and you say, wow, I love prayer. I love getting together and praying. What do you, maybe, you, maybe you think, man, I love teaching children, working with kids. I have fun with kids. Or maybe you say, I'm terrified of little kids. Please don't put me in that room with them. I'll pull my hair out. I, I don't know what it is. I did pull my hair out. I think. But I don't know what your gift is. But ask yourself, what are you really, really passionate about? You know one of the ways I knew I was calling, that God was calling me to preach? One day I was in my backyard and he wrote it in the clouds. Dan, no, he didn't do that. But I'll tell you how I knew. Because I started going to church and listening to preaching and just on edge. Now, some of you have never been on edge in your life during a sermon, right? But I, and I used to be that way. I used to sleep through church. But I was so on edge. I was so excited about this. And I, I got thinking, he used to do this every week? He used to do this sometimes a couple times a week? He may get paid to do that? I can't, this must be so, I remember my pastor, he let me do a little bit of what Nathan and Isay are doing. I used to have to run the slides, he'd give me his sermon notes to follow along, because it was before we have the technology we have today, and um, so I remember reading his sermons and just looking at this, and I was thinking, man, how amazing would that be, to be able to give your life to teaching and preaching God's word. God was speaking to me, and he was showing me, that was a passion of mine, it was one of the things that he did. And then most of all, how do you identify your spiritual gift as you pray? You ask God, you seek God. No one wants you to know more about who, what your spiritual gift is than God wants you to know it. Pray and ask Him, God, how are you gifting me? What do you want me to do? What's my area of ministry? Ask Him. Because you are gifted by God. You're gifted by God and it's time for you to get unwrapped. It's time for you uh, to be unwrapped. You're gifted by God and are you zealous to identify that gift and desiring to discover. Let me give you number two. Number one, identify your spiritual gift. You've got to find out what it is. God wants you to find it out. Number two, embrace your spiritual gift. Embrace your spiritual gift. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I think you're still there, but it appears that Paul was addressing a couple problems. I can identify two problems he was addressing. The first one is that some people were, it appears... Listen to this. They were belittling, diminishing, or undervaluing their spiritual gift or gifts. They're saying, you know what? Mine's not really that important. Now, I'm not this. I'm not, I'm not like that person. I don't do that. So mine's not very important. And he was addressing that to say, yes, it is. And then secondly, it appears that some people were belittling, diminishing, and undervaluing the gifts of others. They were like, look, you know, you're, you're, you're not very important in all of this. You don't have you know, the really needy, needful spiritual gifts. gifts, And so that's what he was talking about. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want you to see a few of these. Look at verse 15. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 15 says, he uses a, an analogy argument to help us understand that we shouldn't be diminishing our spiritual gifts or anyone else's. Look what he says in verse 15. He says, if the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? He's saying, don't diminish your spiritual gift. to be like your hand saying, well, I'm not the foot, so I'm not important in all this. I'm not really even a part of the body. He said, how foolish is that? And he uses a couple other uh, analogies for people who diminish their own spiritual gift. But there were some that were uh, diminishing the spiritual gifts of others. Look at verse 21. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I don't have any need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, saying, I have no need of you. So here's what he's saying. No one has a right to say, my gift is not needful, and your gift is not needful. No one has that right. 
Because God's word says that each of those were important. Paul was emphasizing that every believer, his or her gift is necessary. It is a vital ministry that contributes to the building up of the body of Christ. Again, Ephesians 4.16 says, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by the which every joint supplieth. He's saying, just like our body needs from the smallest to the greatest muscle, all of our body is needed to function properly. So it is in the body of Christ. Even the gifts that you don't have that you think, what is the use in that? That's important. And yours is important. And therefore, since no gift should be despised, all the gifts that God imparts should be embraced. You know, Paul used the illustration of our human bodies and how necessary each body part is. And again, just imagine this conversation between your foot and your hand. You know, you know your, your foot feels unnecessary. Your foot's talking to your hand. Isn't that crazy? This is the conversation though, that Paul's given us. Your foot's talking to your hand. It says, I'm not you, so, so I don't really feel like I have an important role. Or imagine your eyes saying to your hand, well, we don't really need you. I'm the one that gives vision here. I, I'm the one that helps us not to bump into the walls or get hit on the street. I'm the one that helps us to get around to the fridge. Can I hear an amen? I'm the one that gets us different places. We don't need you. And then imagine the head speaking up and saying, but listen, what good would the eyes be to get you to the fridge? You didn't have the hand to open it up. <laughs> but if I just had a hand and I didn't have eyes, I mean, I'm feeling around. And I got the stove out. You know, I'm trying to find the fridge, but I can't see it. He's trying to help us see that we're not separate parts. We're one working together. We have different functions, but we're a part of one whole. And be as if the head, that is Christ, saying, wait a second, each of you, my foot, my hand, my eyes, you're all a part of my body. Each of you necessary. You're not divided. You're one, so to speak, and you need to embrace the necessary and unique role that you each play. And I have a question for you. Would God give an unnecessary spiritual gift? What God, if you're diminishing your spiritual gift or the spiritual gift of someone else, would God give an unnecessary spiritual gift? And I would say to you, don't insult God. Don't insult God by minimizing your spiritual gift or the gifts of others. Because if you start looking down on your spiritual gift and say, well, I, I, don't, I wish I had that gift because that's more important, what you're really doing is insulting God because He's the one that gave it to you. And chose it for you. Don't try to be someone you're not. Because you're insulting God when you try to be someone you're not. Don't try to make someone else just like you. I've got a friend that has a certain spiritual gift. And because he has this spiritual gift, he thinks everybody ought to have this spiritual gift. And everybody doesn't. And so he tries to make everyone like him. And you know what? A lot of people don't like being around him. Because he thinks everyone should do it like him and like him and like him. And some people say, I just don't work like that. Why not? Why not? Why don't you work that way? That's the way I work. Don't try to let other people be. Don't try to make other people be like you. Don't try to be like someone else. When it comes to your ministry for God, seek out what God wants for you and be who he made you. That's what he wants. You know, he's pretty smart. He knows what he's doing. So let's embrace that. Let's accept what he wants us to do and serve him. That leads me to my last thing. Not only identify it, not only embrace it, but finally exercise. Number three, exercise your spiritual gift or gifts. 
In 1 Peter 4.10, he says, As every man has received the spiritual gift, as every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. As every man has received, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. This is what Paul is saying, or Peter is saying here, that God doesn't give spiritual gifts not to be used. He gives spiritual gifts to be used. You say, I came all the way to church today to hear that. That's brilliant, Pastor Daniel. But that's the reality is that God gives spiritual gifts not to put it on a shelf somewhere, but to use it. I love what Warren Wearsby said. He said spiritual gifts are not toys to play with. They're tools to build with. How true that is. Spiritual gifts are not toys to play with. They are tools to build with. Now, I want you to imagine. Here's an illustration. Imagine you're working with a construction company. You're with a construction crew, and you're building, let's just say you're building a school. And let's suppose that you, uh, going to this construction crew, you're an expert with brick. You're a brick mason, and uh, no one knows that you're an expert with brick. Uh, No one knows that you have a background in brick masonry. But you're just going to be a part of the general project, and you're going to help and serve and work in every way you can just to offer general assistance. But, but, but the reality is, is that your background is, is that you know a lot about brickwork. And so here you are, and you're working with them. They're building the school. The foundation's laid. The concrete's poured. The wood framing is carefully cut. It's installed by an expert carpenter. So all these experts have offered their time and ability, and it comes time to install the brick siding on the building. But no one there knows how to do it. They're like, where's the brick mason? We don't, we don't know how to do this. So it comes time for that, and now you know how. And you're the expert. You've got the background. You've got the knowledge. You've got the skill. But let's just suppose you just keep silent. You know, you just don't really kind of, you know brick work is hard work. So you're like, I don't want to tell them I know how to do it. I'll have to work all day long here doing this. So let me just not say anything. And you keep silent. You don't exercise your ability. And so let's just say these other construction workers start trying to do it themselves. They try to attempt it. They try to attempt to do something they're not really gifted or skilled to do. Therefore, the work is probably substandard at best. And you had the ability that was needed, but because you didn't exercise it, the project overall suffered. Because you knew how to do something and were gifted and skilled to do it, but you wouldn't do it. I ask you a simple question. What good is an ability that is not being used? The idea of ability is action. What good is an ability that is not being used? I'm not asking you, are you gifted? Because I know you're gifted if you're a child of God. I'm asking you, are you using? Are you serving? Are you ministering? with the capacity and ability that God has given you. Because if not, I say this kindly, but I want to say this, I must say this, you are wasting the precious gift and treasure that God has imparted to you. You're wasting the ability that God has given you to build up His kingdom. So I would say to you, don't sit back. I think I've got that on the screen. Don't sit back. I mean, it's time to work. It's time to serve. It's time to minister. You know, there's, there's, kind of, there's several extremes. You may say, Pastor Daniel, I am a new Christian. This is all new to me. I just started coming to church recently. I've never been really much of a church person. And all this idea of serving God scares me. It scares me. 
I would say to you, God is going to walk you through every step of the way. He's going to develop those gifts and abilities. What I would encourage you to do is just to start make yourself available to him and serve. That's one extreme. You say, I'm just really terrified. I've never done anything like this. You may have heard me or Melissa saying, hey, we, we need volunteers for VBS. And you're like, what's VBS? And then you say, okay, what am I going to do at VBS? And you're terrified. We're going to walk you through this. God's going to walk you through this. But start making yourself available. Don't sit back. Can I say this to you, those of you that have been saved a while? You know what it's easy to do? Well, I've done it a long time. You know, I, I served for years. I, I worked at this, and, I, you know, I'm just going to sit back and coast. If God wanted you to sit back and coast, he would have taken you home. Now, I'm not saying you need to do everything. I'm not saying you need to do every single thing. But you and I need to be doing something for the glory of God because he has us here for a purpose, and we need to be exercising that gift. Those gifts, look right here for just a second, those gifts don't expire until we get to heaven. Those gifts don't expire until we get to heaven. And there's a work for us all. It's time to work. It's time to put to use through action my unique gift, your unique gifts. And you know what will happen if you don't? I hope you'll hear this today too. If you don't use your spiritual gift and I don't use mine, you know what will happen? Somebody who's not gifted to do it is going to have to step in that place and everyone's going to suffer. You ever been in a class and someone's teaching who's not gifted to teach? I've been in some Sunday school classes saying, even so, come, Lord Jesus, right now, take me home, because this is brutal, brutal. I mean, you ever had someone working with kids who's not gifted with kids? Those kids are suffering. You ever, heard some, you ever had someone, you know, do the greeter ministry who's not gifted with that? And they walk in the door and say, yeah, well, I hope you like this church more than me. Everyone here is just Sorry. Like, oh, I'm glad with that. That's the first person meeting them at the door, right? The person complaining, yeah. Watch your step and don't sit there. That's my seat. Probably don't need to be on the hospitality team, right? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you, you ever had someone to try to do counseling and encouragement? And they're just like, you try to tell them your burdens and your problems, and they're not gifted with encouragement? They're like, get over it. Look, I got over it. Why don't you get over it? Okay, they probably don't need to be in the counseling ministry, right? They probably need to be the prophet standing up and declaring, right? They probably don't need to be encouragement. If you're not using your spiritual gift, and I'm not using mine, the word for that is selfish. And you and I are not going to be using our gifts, and someone else is going to have to step in that place. And if they're not gifted to do it, the body is going to suffer. In fact, let's just try an experiment. Why don't we go to the doctor tomorrow and see if they can perform, and let's let your arm be your leg and your leg be your arm. And let's just try that for a day. See if they can stitch that together, and let's go to work tomorrow morning with my leg being my arm and my arm being my leg. You think that's good? Can you even picture that? Can you picture that? Not going to work. It's not going to work. So if you are gifted in a certain way, you need to be doing that work. And don't push it off on someone who's not gifted for it. How sad that so many people in churches are having to fill several roles, and many of those roles are not roles that they're intended for, just because no one else will do it when they're called to do it. Don't be selfish. Don't be lazy or idle. Our God is worthy, is He not? He is worthy of my service. He's worthy of my all. And it's a privilege to minister for Him and to minister to others. Those gifted with hospitality, if you're gifted with hospitality, you need to be seeking out strangers and guests to help them feel the love and welcome 
that God wants them to sense. If you're gifted to perform acts of mercy, why don't, why don't you seek out people who are hurting, who are discouraged? Seek them out to show the mercy of God to them and stand along with them. If you're, if you're gifted to teach, you, you ought to be teaching God's Word and preparing to teach God's Word. If you're gifted with administration and leadership ability, and there's difference, there's secular leadership and administration, and there's godly shepherding. And when you see the word administration or leadership in the Bible, maybe we should put it shepherding, because there's a difference in, in leadership and shepherding. But if you've been gifted with the idea of shepherding people to follow the agenda of God, you need to be engaged in doing that. If you're gifted with exhortation, seek out those who are drifting from God or need a special word of uh, counsel from the Lord, and you can give them and guide them to that. So, you know, I'll close with this. Jesus told a lot of parables. Someone said Jesus was the best storyteller there ever was, and those stories were called parables. But Jesus told a lot of parables about servants or stewards or people that um, were um, working for a master. And he told several of these, and in Matthew 25, he told about a certain master who was leaving for a trip, and he gave to three different servants a measure of responsibility and entrusted to them some gifts. And he entrusted those gifts to them that they were to use those gifts, that they were to invest those and to work and to serve him. Of the three, two of them were faithful. And they used and invested those gifts. And when their master returned, he had found that they were faithful. One servant was not faithful. So when the master returned, the, the unfaithful servant had not used what the master had given him. And Jesus is telling this in Matthew 25. And those two servants that faithfully served when their master came home, he evaluated them. He brought them before himself, and he said to them, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, minister. You and I, too, the story is about us, but you and I have been given responsibility, gifts entrusted to us by our master. Our master is coming again one day. We will stand before Him and we will give an account of how we steward, how we served with what He gave us. Didn't we read that earlier in 1 Peter 4.10? As every man hath received a gift, even so minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So I wonder, when you stand before God, is He going to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Or are you going to be like the unfaithful servant whose master, when he saw him, only was in shame because he had not been faithful? An established church consists of believers who are faithfully using their spiritual gifts to serve Jesus, to serve one another for the glory of God. In order for us to be that type of church, all of us have to identify our spiritual gift or gifts. We have to embrace that gift in ourselves and in others. And then we have to exercise those gifts. i close with this. It's a privilege to serve God, but it's also a great responsibility to serve God. And it is both. It's both. We are both chosen and commanded to serve God. 
So I would just say to you in closing, it's time for you and I to get out of the toy box and get in the toolbox. It's time for us to stop playing around in this life and not using our gifts. There's a lot of people playing through their life without really serving God. And I want to call you today to take your place in serving Christ and His church and to put Him and His kingdom first. If you committed your life to Jesus Christ today or made a spiritual decision, we'd like to know about it. Please contact us online at www.livinghopechicago.com. We hope you will join us next time for another encouraging message from God's Word.